0: Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 491. We're recording this on Friday, May the 1st. I'd like to wish all our listeners and viewers a happy May Day. We record this normally at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. We've just had an a increased panel, which is great news. We've got a good panel. I think I've rustled up some interesting stories, We're, and um, it should be a great show. Before I go into the stories, um, let's just introduce the panel first, and um, let's start with Stephen. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
2: Yeah, Stephen Stoudard uh, from Zipfish.io. Uh, we work on making WordPress blazing fast.
1: That's great. And I've got my great co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hi, my name is Adrian. I'm the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We help small businesses simplify their sales and marketing. Doing a great job of it. And I've got my friend and uh, uncle, Spencer. Would you like to introduce yourself? Spencer Foreman, launchflows.com. That's great. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh,
3: Yes, Uh, Sally Getch, the WP fangirl, and the uh, organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup, uh, which is usually in Oakland, California, but is now meeting on Zoom like everyone else.
1: Mm. Yes. Um, Before we go into our news stories of the week, I want to talk about our sponsors who are Fantastic for sponsoring such a quite great quality show. Uh, I'd like to talk about Kinster first. Kinster, um, they're a great hosting provider. They've been hosting the WP Tonic website for about three years. They've been one of my, my major hosts for three years as well. Um, well, what can you say about Kinster? Blazingly fast um, servers. They use the Google network uh, as their platform. Fantastic interface, custom interface. When you go to other providers and then you go back to Kinsta, you just think, I couldn't use their system. This is just easy and powerful. You get all the technological bells and whistles, latest version of PHP, one day backup, one click backup, you name it they're providing it and also you get superb 24/7 support from people that really know what they're talking about um you're not you just not messed around like what you get with a lot of other providers if that sounds interesting for you or want your clients go over to kinster have a look at what they've got to offer i highly suggest that you buy and the main thing is tell them that you heard about them from WP tonic our second sponsor is LaunchFlows. LaunchFlows customizes your WooCommerce checkout experience with Alamator. It liberates the function and design layouts of your individual checkout components into powerful selling tools so you can turn your vision into reality, no coding required. So basically what it does is if you're looking to build modern funnels and you don't want to use a third-party service, you now got the option of using WordPress with WooCommerce and Alimator. And they just don't have to be with checkouts you can build a, a modern funnel for literally anything using this combination of powerful tools. If that sounds really interesting, they've also provided a coupon code just for you listeners and viewers. And that's WP tonic rocks and you get 25% of the normal price. And I repeat that. That's WP tonic rocks. So go to launchflows.com, have a look and buy. So this going um I put in um a urgent news story that just um came on the radar this morning. It's basically that WordCamp US twenty twenty goes online. They've cancelled the um the show basically. Well they're not cancelled the put. You sound so astonished, Jonathan. Well it's
3: next year, isn't it? Uh, twenty and WordCamp twenty twenty was is scheduled was scheduled for you know something like June. October.
1: Was it June or October? Oh, June, so, October. June. Oh, June was it? June, no, that's like,
3: WordCamp. WordCamp EU was was a summer thing. US is always toward the end of the year. Mm.
1: Um, well, I thought it was. Or did they move it from this, When when was it supposed to happen? Then I so it was like
3: Halloween last year because I remember people were in in costumes and it was a similar time. Uh, I believe scheduled for a similar time this year, um, maybe a little earlier. Yes. Originally scheduled dates October 27th to 29th. Um, so now the uh, the call for speakers has has been extended. Um, and,
1: and do, you think, do you think, for God's sake, we're still going to be suffering from the... From I don't the, think the we're plans.
3: necessarily going to be, like, shut into our houses in October. But I do think that unless something uh, really remarkable happens, we're not going to be gathering in crowds.
1: Oh, same-
3: so there's a, you know there's a difference between a lot of people being able to go back to work and um you know a sort of limited res- resumption of normal life, uh, you know un- until there's some kind of effective vaccine or, or treatment. Um, and being able to get together in you know large crowds of, of hundreds of people. Mm,
1: probably wouldn't be wise. So, yeah, you're probably right. It just felt, oh, God, next year I, I, was just, I had a little brain fart. What do
4: you reckon, Spencer? I think what we're going to have is uh, a behavioral shift that, again, I, I concur with Sally that it would be indoor crowded events would seem to be not on the radar. People going and resuming behaviors that are, You can space yourself out, like going to the grocery store, going to the dry cleaner, even limited outdoor seating restaurants or, you know, semi, you know, there's a space to seat, but you're like, that kind of stuff will come back. But the behavior in America that otherwise is sort of, it's so whacked out. We're so whacked out here in general, but like people will finally come to accept, fine. If the trade-off for me doing that is I have to have a mask on at all times or whatever, fine, I'll do that because that's better than being locked up. It's like literally three-year-olds having tantrums sometimes. Fine, you can have, you know, the cereal after you eat your broccoli because that's the only way to know. Other than that, um, the medical stuff is very fascinating, but if if there is something that's definitively a treatment that eliminates the, the, like, this will kill you part, I think that will allow things to move faster towards, yeah, we'll still hang out, but we we're not going to be like, yeah. nobody, nobody's going to do this on their own. You know what I mean? Like, no rational person is going you know, to run around, like, hanging out with people. They're all going to be cautious anyway, which, you know. I think there's some, yeah,
3: you're you're presupposing there are lots of
4: rational people. I'm just saying, you know, there's going to be people who don't. But for the rational people, you're going to see pockets of, uh, you know.
1: I mean, I'm English. I'm not social anyway. Knows
4: I, think, that. I think one of the really <laughs> cool things that um, – <laughs>
2: Will come because of this though is that with WordCamp moving online, a lot of people who've never been able to like go to a word camp or really mm-hmm. participate in WordCamp, all of a sudden, like if you don't have the funds to go or you don't have the time to go, now it's gonna be a little bit more democratized, right? Like those people are gonna be able to participate in a way that they've never been able to participate before. I think it'd be really cool to see in 2021, like once we're all back together in person again, like is those people who maybe participated like kind of casually might become a little bit more active. I think there can be some cool things that happen because of this. It does
3: give us a lot of opportunities. Um, it, you know, I had thought, you know, maybe possibly I, I would get to uh, WordCamp uh, US this year, but, you know, probably not. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, <clears throat> and uh, now it's an opportunity to go and, you know, they move WordCamp EU online and that's not a thing that I've been able to get to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what does sometimes happen with uh, online events is that, you know, I find that there is a, you know, there's a great press of work and it's much easier to get sucked into doing work instead of uh, attending the event Mm -hmm. uh, when it's a, you know, when it's a virtual event. Um,
4: isn't it about time that they did it anyway? Because let's be honest this summer before you know the, the summer in the before times, the book, rip, writes, uh, They had that one in Germany and I had reason to go because Jack Arturo was there and, and Luke, my, my guys in England. But even then it was like, for God's sake, like I got to get on an airplane. I got to spend a few thousand bucks. I got to arrange the hotels. It's like, Wouldn't it just be easier to call it a day and make it an online thing, so that everybody in the entire WordPress thing could just show up and do their thing?
3: Well, you know, a lot of people like the being in a different uh, city uh, aspect. There were certainly some people who were excited to go to Portugal this summer and are very disappointed that they weren't. Now, I mean, I was on a a, a panel yesterday where people were talking a bit about, like, you know how you know how do people see the world changing afterwards and what changes are likely to last and what are not. And, and most of us said, you know, that we really can't predict that because we don't know how long things are going to last or what else is going to happen. But, you know, if you think about it, well, a number of things went back to normal-ish after nine eleven, but we're all still taking off our shoes when we get on airplanes and, uh, you know, traveling is, um, you know, has become more difficult and less fun uh, than it was when I was young. Well,
1: my biggest... My biggest gripe about this U.S. Word Camp is because of the decision that was made. You know, there's no it's not possible, and it's understandable why they don't allow it. You know, there isn't a San Francisco Bay Area Word Camp.
3: It's not uh, that it's forbidden at any at now. They didn't want a San Francisco Word Camp for a couple of years, but the reason there hasn't been a San Francisco Word Camp you know, since then is that they, none of us have. Shouldn't None of us have gotten our shit together.
1: Um, well, you've been smoking the pot too much.
3: Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but
3: no, you know,
1: isn't it, isn't it a little bit embarrassing that, you know, you're supposed to be the one of the world centres of technology and they, you can't get together and organise a, a word camp.
3: Uh, yeah, well, that's because yours feebly is the one who is the most – a consistent uh, meetup organizer in the Bay Area. The WordCamp San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco meetup, uh, has been kind of intermittent. Um, and WordCamps are supposed to be organized by meetups, uh, and, and I have not got uh, it, it, what it takes. I've, you know, it's it's come up several times. It's yeah. not completely off the table as a as a thing that could happen. But organizing a WordCamp is a, a hell of a lot of work.
1: Um, It certainly is. I would help you out for the first year. I would help you do it. Um, I'm not doing it after the first year. uh, um, No shape or form. Uh, um, Well,
3: well, yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, once was about enough for Reno.
4: (laughs) Don't we talk about the last word camp is all about the shenanigans of uh, Yoast's cocktail party? Or was that several word camps ago? It hey, okay,
1: hey, all kind of burges, doesn't
4: it? Yeah, I don't
3: know. I I, uh, I did not go to anybody's cocktail parties uh, after the last but, word camps in Francisco. But,
4: but unless I'm not remembering right, which is possible, is that there was something about the Yoast cocktail party after party. Then there was something about somebody said something really offensive to somebody, the last one. I can't. It escapes me, but like, these seem to be just. I built, I built a
1: whole show of that.
4: These seem to be like <laughs> right, political controversy more than like what's the upside of all this? Like, what? What does anybody? Well, I,
3: I noticed that you know there's been a shift um, at, at, at many word camps to like having uh, after parties that don't include alcohol. Yes, that's uh, the or official, that's official the, ones. And, that's the and that's
1: the missing things. ingredient, isn't it? The alcohol. Can you call yeah. it a party then, or?
3: Uh, well, like, it's like the, the,
2: meet up.
3: <laughs> well, the you know the official the official parties uh, you know the kind of the official after party is usually an event, and it's also like they're having a lot more WordCamps where there's like twelve year olds presenting about using WordPress. And uh, What's
1: the drinking age in Canada. Then I uh, it's nineteen. Oh, right. And you're, you're it's nineteen right.
5: in most of the country. It's eighteen in Alberta and in Quebec. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, you know, they have city drinking laws in America. So, in some states, it's 21, isn't it? still? It's in uh, all
3: states. It's in the, 21. Yes, the, in all states, it's oh, yeah. 21, well, actually. That's it. A- that's a federal thing. When I was young, it's not
5: federal. It's, uh, it is, it is state, but if they make it less than 21, then they're going to pull their funding for the highways. Uh,
3: Right. I mean, it's when when I was, when (laughs) I was young, you know, not, not too much younger than than Adrian, um, it was still 18 in, in DC. Uh, and and that was, you know, a, a big deal to college age kids. Um, it certainly is. Yes. I, I turned twenty one in Germany, so it was uh, very not significant to anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think the other factor apart from the San Francisco, we discussed it last week, um, is you know, um with you know um five G, whatever well, G five, what G 4 you know, coming on board, you know, um you know, the, the kind of tools used for webinars you know, um, I was looking into them um, for a client and Shane from Fry Fryfine did a fantastic series of reviews on webinar technology at the present moment and which were the best for the type of use you were looking to use it for. And I just thought to myself, you know, some of them are great, some of them... You know, he did a really in-depth, and if you're looking to use a webinar, I would recommend that you look at Shane's series of YouTube videos. Um,
5: Are we already at the recommendations part of the show? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. That, Can we start
3: but, with the recommendations part, no, of, uh, part just, of the show? That's just, called the sponsors.
1: <laughs> but I'm, just point, I'm just pointing out that, you know, it, some of them were really clank, clunky, hadn't really moved on. I just think there's enormous growth space in this area. You know, I think we're only on the tip of a a technology um, movement that, you know, when you look at what we, you know, Zoom's one of the better ones.
3: Um, Uh, Right, it's one of the better ones so far. And yet, of course, we've had a lot of flaws exposed in it recently. And, you know, people, I don't think people have a, a deep inherent loyalty to Zoom. Uh, that you know, we're using it because it's been a, 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 the best tool so far. But if something there, came along that was better,
5: there are two kinds of products in the world. There's platform. Well, there's two kinds of software products in the world. There's platforms, and then there's utilities. Utilities do not get loyalty from customers simply because they're easily replaced. You can easily switch from Zoom to Google Meetings to Skype to any of the other to the any of the other webcasting oh. providers it would not be uh, it would not be a difficult process and then there's platforms which is extremely difficult to move in between because of the time that it takes to migrate data and all of that stuff so you're right it's not it wouldn't it, there's a lot of opportunity in the face to face communication area simply because it's it, it, their utilities and it's kind of like best best product cheapest price or some you know somewhere in between the combination that provides the most value at the most cost of cost effective rate for the consumer is going to be the winner
3: right and the most uh, you know the most whichever things matter uh, uh you know the, the best security is certainly an issue for for a lot of people in a place where you know we've seen zoom fall down, although I hope everybody has updated your zoom client because they've they've pushed too fairly substantial updates recently um and i've i've been on meetings where people couldn't get on because they hadn't updated
1: there we go here we go on to story two this is how much youtube paid me for my one million view video what did you think of this one adrian
5: uh so which which one is this
1: this is number two this is are we skipping
5: number one uh
1: Oh, well, like if, you, if you want to talk about number one, let's go for number one. I had,
5: a, I had a whole like spiel about, oh, about well, the, the tectonic shifts. Yeah, yes, tectonic shifts uh, in the retail
1: uh, industry. I'm prepared to <laughs> uh, listen to <laughs> my beloved panel. Tectonic so shifts in retail industry are creating unprecedented opportunities for independent stores. So what did you think of this one, Adrian? Uh, I, there's, a,
5: there's a couple takeaways that I got from the article. Uh, that I think are, are actually valuable. So, kind of the, one of the first points is that people are, are just purchasing, starting to purchase more essential products, either through Amazon or through Walmart, or whatever distributor. Uh, what, what's interesting, though, is that Amazon is using the data of people who purchase products from third party vendors on their site and using that to design systems and processes and products in order to completely replace their third-party vendors. So basically, the third-party vendors take on the cost of R&D shipping and, and all of that stuff to build a viable business model and a viable product that's useful to the consumer. And then Amazon will take that data, say, thank you for doing all of the R&D for us. And then they're going to go do it 10 times cheaper and 10 times more effectively, and then completely like wipe out the third-party vendor. This is significant... Uh, for a couple reasons. The first of which, it goes to show that having a product business is no longer dependent on how good your product is. Uh, Of course, your product should be good, but there are many more pillars that you need to have in a product business than just your product in order to create customer loyalty, in order to create a brand, in order to create a viable long-term business. Because if your business hinges on a good product and that alone is what's keeping you in business, then it takes very little for someone else to come in like Amazon and completely take all of your customers away from well, you. Well,
3: especially if your business hinges on the platform that's cannibalizing you.
5: Exactly. So there's a few, there's, there's more pillars that you need in your product business in order to create long-term viability and long-term sustainability. Uh, Number one is you need to start building a list. If you sell through Amazon only, then they control the list. They control your customers. They control the whole experience. You're basically just delivering a product at that point. You're basically just a shipper and a vendor. So you need to have your own list. You need to start creating some sort of uh, community aspect. There needs to be additional resources and training. There needs to be all of these other pillars that you can communicate Uh, to your customers on and create a need for your product and create that brand loyalty. If you are just a product vendor, then you're setting yourself up to be cannibalized by those who you serve your products through.
2: I think what's interesting about what you're saying is like the product matters, right? Like if you look at Amazon basic, which they've been doing this for, I don't know, five, 10 years, uh, They've been, they were, you know, saw battery sales and were like, Hey, you know what? We can take a slice out of that. Let's launch Amazon basic. Right. And they do that with cables and all sorts of other things. Now Um, it's the same model, though, that everybody else does like Costco or Sam's Club. Right. They, they find products. You create your own brand of that product and you can make a larger margin. Um, I have a good friend who works as a, uh, like a third party fulfillment, local fulfillment center for Amazon. Right i um, so not owned by Amazon, but they work with Amazon to do prime shipping and stuff. Um, and he was saying that like, even on top of like stealing products, that Amazon will start taking back products at times and cutting them out of deals that they've secured with other providers because they're watching the shipping metrics. And as soon as shipping metrics hit a certain level, a certain amount of profitability, right. Then Amazon can come in and say, Hey, actually, we're going to cut a side deal with this company and cut them out of everything. Um, which goes back to what you were saying, Adrian, that like, Owning your supply chain or having a third way or a second way of shipping out products or dealing with that supply chain is an extremely important thing to have I think our identity.
3: entire country is discovering a, a, a yeah. how important it is to own your supply chain. <laughs> For sure.
2: it's,
5: it's, not, it's not just owning the supply chain, though. And while that's super important, it's that you need an aspect to your business that isn't just product. It's community. It's the list. It's your email marketing it's uh, you, uh, your training. So, for example, uh, I used to work, uh, well, well, while I used to work in the agency here in Toronto, we worked with a deck building company and they had a, a, a neat system for putting together decks. And uh, it was just kind of like you'd screw on to the end like Lego pieces to your two by fours and then you'd basically just like Lego build your deck. And it was really innovative and really neat. Obviously, they were not the only person in the space, but they were one of the only people that had an entire... They they sold all of their deck plans, and they sold all of the training to put those deck plans together in addition to the actual product that they served. That's what businesses need to innovate on and provide in addition to their product. They need to create the the training and the regimen and the plans and all of the things that their product can be used for. And
3: that's it, where you're it, going to This, this sounds an Amazon. awful lot like uh, what Spencer is always saying about hosting.
4: Indeed, about everything. Because I read an article that goes along with what you guys have been referring to, and what the topic of this is, is that this morning, um, I want to say it was in one of the WP feeds, but they were talking about how there's an alliance now that finally got the key player. The alliance is everybody against Amazon. The key player was surprise Google. Why was the alliance necessary? Because everybody finally seems to have woken up to the idea that Amazon controls the entire relationship from the moment the people are looking all the way through the sale. And this is an example which like, uses a comparison to Costco. Costco will take a product that's successful, work out some arrangement with the manufacturer to white label it, and they're not cannibalizing their business because you got to go into Costco to buy it. Amazon's taking people and saying, oh, we're like venture capitalists. Spend all your time and energy, figure it out, build a product, and then without telling you, because it's part of the deal, we're going to take all the data, bend you over and make you our you-know-what. And then you're going to be done. And at the end of the day, what's so ironic about the entire process is that nobody can stop them because they're from the beginning of the relationship all the way to the end for convenience. And that includes shipping. Now, there's conversation in the U.S. about our illustrious leader saying that we got to like quadruple the price of the U.S. postal system because they're giving away stuff to Amazon. But at the same time, the U.S. postal system has never done better than taking Amazon's money because Amazon sends them a trillion freaking packages. Well, yeah, packages
3: are are actually the thing that the, the postal service is making money on.
4: That's what I'm saying is because their biggest customer is Amazon. So the point is, go back to the metaphor like Sally was alluding to, In WordPress, you can't make it anymore by just being an island onto yourself for hosting or plugin or theme or anything. In the early days, you could. That's where we saw some of the coolest stuff like, you know, uh, the Genesis came out and stuff. Innovation today is about having an Avengers team. And in this other world of the online shopping, people are going to gravitate despite their reluctance to, you know what, I can get that. Handcrafted salmon from Alaska sent to me in a freezer package in one day. By just if it's
3: handcrafted it's salmon, it probably comes from Monsanto,
4: whatever. I ordered some elastic straps the other day. I mean, the point is, I'm not going to get in a car and schlep to some store for that anymore, not just for the corona, but because of convenience. But if everything is controlled by one master, one Mark Zuckerberg, Bezos. And I love Amazon. I love them. But I hate the way he is handling this entire scenario. And I hate that we're bowing at his feet and not making them pay a fair amount of taxes. I just don't understand that. Like, they're killing it. Why shouldn't they pay a proportional amount of taxes? Because the other side is all these other pigs who have owned their own niches for a while, including Google, Now they're realizing like, oh, this is like Bill Gates in the 1990s. We have to create an alliance of software makers in order to compete with Microsoft's monopoly. Ta-da, that's what it is. And we're (laughs) going to see some interesting stuff because the takeaway for me on this was the examples, I think i one of the other one too. If you're a local restaurant or you're a remote service, whatever, the opportunities are abundant, but you have to get out of your box and realize like, with WooCommerce or whatever, that I can do this directly. Like, I can be the person who sells quarter-inch elastic straps for face masks or something and make a million dollars a year if I just own and control all the pieces on my own WordPress site. Ta-da. Well,
1: that sounds great. Going to go for our break, listeners and viewers, and we'll be back in a few moments with some other great stories back in a minute.
0: Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay, find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's WP-Tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, there's some
1: good stories. Uh, um, I think uh, we've got a couple other good ones I've found. I'll let the panel decide though. On to the next story. This is how much YouTube paid me for my one million view video. After reading that, I felt, what a Bofu podcast did I? Well,
3: except that, you know, the the video had a million views and it made like $2,000 or something. I I mean, you know, it's, of course, yeah.
1: But but she had other ones where she earned like 40 grand, didn't she?
4: Uh, That that was in the influencer days. I mean, do the math on this. At 2000, it's two tenths of one cent (laughs) View at yeah. best, it's five tenths. One, second. I'm not saying that's not good money, but remember, whatever her videos are, I don't watch her videos, but like mm-hmm. somebody who's a YouTuber has indicated it could take between 15 and 30 hours to make a good video. I mean, mm-hmm. a real video. And then, how much time and effort went into getting her audience to the level to get a million viewers? Look at our, our friend Adam, who's doing extraordinarily well on his YouTube channel for WordPress stuff, and he's been grinding it out for years. He's at like 150,000 yeah. at best people, not views. So to get to a million views, like in YouTube, that's like a ping pong ball on the ocean. And then when you get there, you're going to make two tenths of one cent for every viewer. It's like, at a a certain point, I just say like, really, is that worth all the effort? I don't know. All all the money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's
3: more work than, than, you know, earning that amount of money in, in a number of other ways. But yeah, it's not free money.
4: When you oh. divide out the hours, like, for example, I mean, this is hard. You need to prorate the, the, whatever years it took her to get there into this calculation. If you yeah. dollar cost average those hours into what she's making and then the hours to make a video, let's say it's 15 hours, which I think is a fair amount considering the, the shooting, the editing, the planning. It, probably it's more. <laughs> Five grand for that amount of hours comes out to like cocktail waiter or waitress. I mean, it's, it's tens of dollars an hour. All the money yes, though, well, Cocktail Waitress
3: might be what her alternative is. So, uh, you know, I mean, for, for people who who have other alternatives, uh, it, it doesn't seem worth the effort. Uh, for somebody who maybe is not uh, highly skilled or, oh, or educated the, in other saw, uh, ways, uh, that could be uh,
1: not a bad deal. The way I saw it, um, I agree with Spencer, but the way I saw it, Spencer, is... Yeah, you're right, but you you you've got to have other forms of monetization. Um, but on the other hand, it, compared to podcasting or others, where other forms of advertising which allow you to monetize, you, you just spend money out. Or with podcasting, I, I get I get some sponsors, and they, they just about cover my costs of producing the podcast. Where on YouTube, yeah, you're you're totally right, but at least you're getting paid a reasonable amount if you get to reason, and then you have the opportunity of other mythologies to monetize the effort.
4: So I, I don't, I don't think that's what people who become real YouTubers say. And for example, I can only speak to my own experience versus what these YouTubers have said. When I started doing YouTube, it was like, you know, five people were on YouTube and maybe the audience six or seven, eight thousand people. But the point was that the people who watch YouTube videos when there was not a billion people making YouTubes, you could actually say a fair amount of them turned into paying customers for a service or a product. Now, again, the only one to compare it to would be Adam. Adam's the only person in the WordPress world that's, let's say, making some revenue. No, he's recently posted his own videos about how yeah. he's getting stuck. By everybody first, like we're going to talk about Amazon cut his commissions. Now YouTube is well, like. Well, we did, we did discuss that. We did
1: do, what, a, what a time to choose to do that. You know, um, we're talking listeners and viewers about Amazon's really lovely decision to literally because just, they can because they can they they're affiliate, they affiliate they they provided reasonable affiliate um commissions on products and then they suddenly decided we're gonna cut it in more than half. Here's yeah. the thing.
4: My my view on YouTube is it's an incredibly reasonable channel to act as a place to put together all of your attention getting stuff. The difference in my opinion is that there's a huge gap like the 1% in America between people that use YouTube for its benefit, which is, Hey, it's a cool place to subscribe to my channel, get my videos, but I don't think I'm going to find my customers here. And that 1% that monetizes being a YouTuber, being a YouTuber is not somebody who makes YouTube videos. Most of us who use YouTube have come to the conclusion, like I could work 24 seven 7 And never make a fraction of the money from YouTube as I would if I just put that effort into relationships with real clients. And so from that standpoint, if you understand going into it, that's what's going to happen. There's less disappointment. She's referring to the type of thing like a Casey Neistat or some of the other big YouTubers where you hear all the stories like they're the superstar rock stars, whatever, of the industry. And now... Oh I'm so disappointed that like I'm no longer getting paid forty thousand dollars to show up at my concert or something. well, of course not because there's a trillion people out there now doing it. Yeah. so
1: what do you recognize Jen
5: uh, well my my takeaway from the article was the uh, conversation surrounding how much you get paid based on where your audience is located uh depending on the kind of the videos that you you produce, uh, you may garner a lot of interest in countries which have lesser buying power than in your own country. So what this person experienced was she had a a significant amount of traffic from India, Nepal, and and East Asian countries, which have significantly less purchasing power for American products, which are typically the ones who spend the most on advertising. Uh, So if most of our views are coming from there, that means that advertisers aren't spending a whole lot to get those people's business because they don't have any buying power to buy the products which are in America or North America or in Australia. So that's something that a lot of people maybe forget or just don't take into account. Depending on where your videos are being viewed, advertisers, advertisers may not actually want to spend any money on advertising for your video because the people that you're speaking to do not necessarily have any money to spend. So that's something that I thought was interesting and goes to show or goes to rather speak that I think it's you know all about owning your own platform and owning your own supply chain and, and building, uh, building an audience and providing them with products and services that you can distribute so that you can, you're not necessarily reliant on advertisers or other platforms in order to run your business for you.
3: Well, and I mean, we've seen with the media companies that you know there's already kind of a feeding frenzy over advertising, and it's not necessarily a terribly reliable uh, way to produce an income and support yourself.
5: Advertising is dependent on the strength of the economy because the first thing to go when you know there's even a slight you know loss on the quarter or loss of the month, the first thing to go is the marketing budget. Right, because they're going to focus on creating uh, creating wealth from the clients that they already have, and then and uh, the acquisition of new clients just goes right out the window. So if you're dependent on advertising as a source of your revenue, it's it's tied directly to how well the economy or how well that company is doing. And if you know there's even a slight hiccup, it's you know you know we'll see you next month and reassess the situation.
1: Yeah. All right, I'm going to go on to story three, or story, um, next story. Um, David, was it Von Garris? Von, Von
3: Gris. I, I would say Von Gris, but, Von, uh, Von Gris. you know, God only knows because it, it's his name and I've never heard him yeah. say it.
1: Takes over as the new owner of Kirky, the customized uh, framework. What did you think of this one, Stephen?
2: Um, I've been following this for a little bit because it's, it's really interesting because you have this... I sensed.
1: I sensed that you might have been. I could over the Zoom waves. I thought this was one that you
2: So I think what's fascinating about this is because you have this uh, like theme builder of sorts, right? That is highly reliant on the customizer of WordPress, which at this point in time puts that in a very interesting position uh, because that is like the third. Thing, like i don't know the redhead stepchild if you will that people don't talk about very much anymore right we got like the page builder elementor stuff you have gutenberg over here but a lot of times people forget about like that the customizer is a thing and was a thing for a long time uh, but was always in a weird space um, and i think that the sale was really driven by the fact that if this if the theme builder is going to be alive right is going to still like function, it needs to move into a different camp, right? It needs to either align with Gutenberg or it needs to align with like a page builder sort of thing. Um, and for one person to try to like refactor that entire code base to try to move it to one of those, it just feels like daunting, overwhelming. I think he was feeling that, right? And so that's why he realized he's at a point where he needs to let somebody else. Um, but I really appreciated that he made his decision on who to sell to based on somebody who can keep his dream alive and i think that just speaks a lot to like his own feelings about the product that he's built right that he loves his product he's worked hard to make it the way that it is and he doesn't want to just see that you know evaporate and sell it to somebody who's i don't know a go daddy if you will or some you know large company that just wants to add it to its repertoire of free things that it can give people if they sign up um so i I really like how it's all ended, and I think it's going to be cool to see how it changes and morphs over time.
1: So what do you reckon about it, Adrian?
5: It's good stuff. Uh, I know David, and he is an excellent person, and I have uh, absolutely zero question that he will uh, make this project into a default choice for lots of theme developers, and I'm excited to see the the, the kinds of improvements that he brings to it. Uh, over the next little while, and it's just good news all around.
1: So, what's your own feelings about the customizer, really? Um,
5: I mean, I use Astra, and Astra is pretty much customizer dependent. So, I'm in there a lot, making CSS changes and making design changes. Um, I like it. Uh, I think I think its removal would be a mistake, uh, and i I don't I don't think it's out of the question that it gets bundled into Gutenberg in some way, shape, or form. Or vice versa. Um, or vice versa. Um, well, you have it, the global
2: styles, right? Which is kind of making a hybrid right now of the customizer, right? Like that's that's Gutenberg's answer to like like dealing with this customizer stuff is with adding the global styles ideas because that's essentially what the customizer the customizer was at the end of the day.
5: Yeah, essentially. So I don't think it's going to go away. I think they're going to. I mean, obviously, they can't just make it disappear because <laughs> so many themes and you know, there's backwards compatibility. Well, and to, they you know, after, after all
3: the effort they put in to make us use it in the first place. Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> it's not it's not just going to go away. So I think this framework is well timed, and I think his acquisition is well timed, and uh, I have no, I have no doubt that we're going to see some some super awesome power user stuff come out that's going to make WordPress site editing a lot easier.
1: I don't want to say. This, I was going to ask Spencer. I always had, I always had really mixed feelings about the customizer, the same way. Not you, as bad. I, you and I
4: had this call a uh, month ago. Remember about the the problem? I, I have nothing to say about Turkey or the the framework yeah. itself, but about the customizer. This yeah. is a sneak peek of dating automatic. We used to go out with automatic when they told us. If you just marry us, the customizer, everything will be great. Build everything for our relationship with the customizer. And now, but, but you promised if I got married to the customizer, everything would be amazing. And now we're on to, well, the new girl in town, guy in town is Gutenberg. If you just if you just accept how weird Gutenberg is, everything will be fine. I know there's that sexy Elementor thing over there and you can hang out with them. But just be with us. And you're like, hey, I'm sitting at home every Friday night and you never call. You never do anything. You know. It's like, no trust for automatic because this is the stupidest thing I've heard of ever because you yourself, Jonathan, we can share what happened. Jonathan, without saying the specifics, had a scenario where Elementor with Astra was involved with the setup where he just simply used a ready-to-go mechanism, right? It was a theme that was like out of Astra's little toolkit of themes. And what was really happening is, Some of the Easter eggs were buried in the customizer, but the clever guys at Astra had managed to work out a customizer setting that actually triggered Elementor to do a custom template that was only available if you knew to look in the file cabinet drawer of customizer. Meanwhile, when you went into Elementor directly, it didn't show up. And so now we've got like five filing cabinets with 100 folders, and there's little pieces of information we really need buried all over. Guess what? I got a great idea. How about... WordPress is just simply your editor that looks the same for everything and that we accept that you're going to use a page builder instead of a theme to make your layouts and that you have stuff you pour into your page builder. You should start a crusade. I'm not going to do a crusade.
5: (laughs) You should start a a website and crusade and Twitter account. You should just just get it going. It's already underway. Be the change, Spencer. Be the change. (laughs) Stop demanding it.
4: I'm saying this is what I talk about and we're you and I and Steven and I, we all talk about this every week privately and otherwise is that here's what's going to happen in my opinion. Okay. First of all, I want to throw a little bit of weird twist on this. The guys at Elementor are doing what they're doing with regard to the plugin and the pro has that weird phone home thing. And there's still no word from the bosses at automatic about that. But I noticed something also interesting because in the process of helping people use Elementor free. Which is an amazing plugin by itself. I noticed that there's a lot of sales messages popping up randomly now, and just, I thought to myself, just, just, this, is really, "This is really interesting." I'm on your free plugin. I've already said no to your pro, and randomly now, are these little sales messages popping up that? You just are, are you sure it's random? Huh?
3: Are you sure it's random? It's not like being oh, no, triggered I'm not triggered saying, saying the
4: random in the sense like. It's like no means no, Sally. Okay. Well, so I
3: would like no to mean no, but yeah, that's like it doesn't free, seem to be how people make sales.
4: Right. So what I'm saying is th- let's be fair about where this is going. You got one team of guys that have four, guys and women, 4 million users, hundreds of people on a development team who realize they can do what they want, essentially un- unstop You've got the other team who's made promises, broken them, who their own team members don't want to play with them because they have no guidance and no leadership, right? And now who's going to win? I think who's going to win is that Elementor and their whatever motives is going to win by making it easier and clearer. The cost, of course, is going to be, you're going to have to be solicited a couple times about going pro, but pro is $40 a year or something per site. I would rather go with the definitive I paid you 40 and you guys are killing it with improving in features. From my standpoint as a vendor or an author or a consultant, this is the winning team. And so if I can have a scenario of WordPress where WordPress just gets out of the way other than the back-end stuff and I let Elementor handle all the front stuff and the design stuff and everything connects to that, including my own Avengers version of what to build a site with, win. The automatic's position will only last as long as they don't piss people off and we see something better. But as soon as that sexy new person comes along to date, it's really hard to sell you on, you know, fool me three times. And that's where I feel this is all going because, like, this poor guy and his team made an amazing product and just essentially left in the cold for what? Well, we changed our mind. Yeah,
1: but the other factor was, you know, their big sell. Well, it's it's
3: partly, you know, we changed our mind, but it's partly also the very popularity of what he built meant that it was, that it was too much. Uh, And, uh, you know, know you can become a victim of your own success. Well, yeah, but they can't.
1: They 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 they're, they're, when they brought all this out, and Spencer was there, and we and I was when they brought this out, they said it was going to unify the experience. It was, you know, it was getting too fragmented. You know, theme builders and plug in, um
3: Well, um, it's you know, I mean, blah, you did have blah, to blah, like blah. let's go hunt for the theme options and wherever you know wherever this theme yeah, has, has the, stuff the,
4: them. But they did with yeah. a different hunting mechanism. Now it was. Whack all now! I know that thing is in here somewhere. Which file cabinet and which folder is it in? Which where is the see with CSS? Which I used that was what my original thing was to teach people basic CSS to do Bootstrap stuff. At least you could say. There's an index and a rule, and you just have to learn the word, but at least it's always there. With the customizer, everybody could bury their little control for every possible scenario somewhere, and at a certain point... Well, but
3: everybody could bury it somewhere before the customizer, too, and they often did.
1: I'm yeah, well, yeah, but you're both right. But the thing is,
4: sadly, the customizer...
3: I mean, it sounds like you guys ran into a, a situation where somebody uh, uh, was guilty of designing something very badly.
4: No, this was not. That was This was a problem of where two worlds collided, which yeah. was the Astra team, because it's there, rightfully used the customizer because they have other controls in the customizer because of the legacy. At the same time, they mixed the metaphor of bringing in the elementor part but through the customizer, so you wouldn't know it unless you knew, oh... Well, it's,
1: a, it, it's an attempt to add value where the, there is no need to add value. They could have just left it to the animator, couldn't they?
4: Right. That's, they could have just said, uh, screw it, it, just do it front
1: end. It's trying to kind of artificially produce value, isn't it? That that That's, that's the problem. And you see that with a lot of plugin. in um, in plugins in general, they can get kind of off, off the real course, really, by adding more and more functionality. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, um, well, let's go on to the story For How are we doing for time? Oh, well, let's, well, let's, go, let's finish off this story four. I'm sure you're just going to be bored with this one. You're going to have a one line there anyway. Uh, Facebook usage soars during the virus. Pandemic. And uh, this
3: is news. <laughs> well, that's
1: what I thought. I thought you were going to be harsh on me. So I thought, you know, and I love being written, my. So. my uh-
2: My iPhone lets me know via Screen Time all the time that my Facebook usage has completely soared during this time.
3: It's just my Facebook usage has stayed exactly the same.
2: It's Just amazing! Don't use Facebook. (laughs) They're the cockroaches of
1: the internet. Are going to make even more money, aren't they? It's just Uh,
3: yes. Although apparently it says warned of a significant reduction in the demand for advertising. Um, So yeah, I mean you know they're feeling some of the people cutting their. Cutting their marketing budgets, but uh, you know, uh, uh, of course, people are on Facebook because um, some of them are are not, you know, working twenty five hours a day the way I feel like I am.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, um, all right. that's all. I think that's all we got. Is Adrian got anything to say about this? Uh, not really. No, no, no. Um It's a good time. It's a good time
5: for for advertisers because. Especially advertisers on Facebook, anyway. Lots of screen time. You know, more screen time means more ads served, means more money to be made. So it's good. It's good for businesses who are advertising and doing it well. It's good for Facebook. Um, I suppose it's good for consumers if you know they're finding the products that they actually want.
1: Yeah. Well, there we go. He's laid back. He's Canadian. Uh, Rob, so <laughs> uh, Rob, let's go. Let's go on to our product recommendations of the week Um, I've been looking at something called called Site Presser, and basically it enables you to bundle child themes Divi or Elemator with images plugins and you can move them and I've just been looking at it I've been testing it on a test site um, I haven't used it on a live site, but it does seem interesting. And we'll be having one of the um, owners coming on the show in the next few weeks to talk about SitePressor. So go to SitePresser.io and find out a little bit more about that. Um, Sally, have you got anything that you want to recommend? And panelists, pan- pan- please put it all into the chat of um zoom because it helps me your recommendations because it helps me get it all assembled in the show notes. So Sally, have you got something? Yes, uh
3: Smashing Magazine is holding a couple of online meetups uh mm-hmm. called Smashing Meets May 18th and 19th, so there's one that's uh, uh at a at a time that's, you know, reasonably friendly for uh people in the US and one that's at a time that's uh, better for people who are in uh, Europe or Asia. And um uh, you can just go i've dropped the uh, url in the chat uh you can just go there and sign up and you know ha- hang out with uh, various people around the web dev world i think that uh you know they've had pretty good success with some of their uh, moving some of their workshops online uh because they haven't been able to hold their conferences mm-hmm. and uh, i am looking forward to going to this myself and it's free so uh,
1: I love the name, Smashy Meats. I love the name. Spencer, have you got anything you can recommend to the listeners of yours this week?
4: Uh, there's a new plugin that if you're in need of a forum is actually a good alternative to the Buddy Boss takeover of BB Press, which they're doing a great job with it, don't get me wrong. And BB Press is a foundational thing. We love Triple J, but like it's, it's showing its age without a lot of improvement. This is called uh, WP4O. And WP Foro also has. We've now got an integration for it with WP Fusion, which means that if you want to have a really strong forum, like old school, because we're all going back to the BC era,
1: back to the fundamentals.
4: Yeah, you basically uh, can accomplish this. That gives you a nice alternative without all the weight of BuddyPress, BBPress, and the rest of it to have a forum on your WordPress website. That also now you can control access to. Monitor behavior and all the rest of that good stuff. See,
1: I kind of, um, I kind of on this forum question when it comes to e learning, um, I've been thinking this that I think your public free forum should be on Facebook, but your real high value where you have might have direct conversation with the key person that started the course, you get on the forum. Well, there's there's enough. I
4: uh, I mean, I'll tell you just in two seconds what has happened historically. That's how I got to WordPress originally, is that the problem and the benefit of forums are the same thing. It is that it requires somebody to be an active moderator and organizer because things can be found, but when they're found, it's by either random chance or really good knowledge of what you're searching for. And so it's not a good way to educate people or to give them contemporary topics. But if you do have somebody who's actively moderating, who can move stuff around and re-filter and re-sort it, it does have that element of like familiarity. Now, one of the biggest arguments I had for my social networking stuff at trikepilot.com uh, was when the original host went down and we had a decision, would you want me to put this on Facebook or not? A lot of people said, oh, I'll never use Facebook. I'll never use Facebook. Well, guess what? They all end up using Facebook. So even though they paid me to rebuild it on WordPress and I did it with BB Press, nobody ended up using BB Press because it didn't compare with the convenience of using an iPhone on Facebook. So at the end of the day, I agree with what you're saying. And the decision I recommend to people is if you have proprietary information that you are really selling access to, Then use a custom forum inside of WordPress. If it's everything else, just let it go on your Facebook group that could be a a private Facebook group and tell people, don't expect much from me here. And then when you do do a lot of things there, I mean, at least they're happy, but that that does work out. But overall, nobody should go into a forum at all unless you're prepared to be a camp counselor slash kindergarten teacher, because that's essentially what's required in order to be successful with it. It
1: won't run itself. Thanks for that. Adrian, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, I've, been, I've been stuck deep in a hole for the
5: last several weeks just working on our Are own products. Are you talking about
1: since you became my co-host? <laughs> 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 right,
5: right, No, that, yeah. that would be, that'd be several months. No, just for the uh, last several weeks, I've been deep in a hole working on our own products. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're, we're about to launch version 2.2, uh, which is going to have... Uh, reporting features that will rival even the most complex and expensive of software as a service programs like Active Campaign and Fusionsoft and the like. Uh, and we're currently looking for people to provide feedback on our new version. Uh, I've linked a uh, uh, link uh, linked to one of our articles, which will describe how you can provide feedback as well as get the newest beta version. And uh, we're currently collecting feedback on that so we can ensure that when uh, 2.2 goes live, it's cool. uh, useful and everybody likes
1: it. Can I ask you because it's really um, I'm very impressed what you've done you and your team it, you know the, you did some Facebook um, and you showed the new interface and it looks really fantastic what What was some of the technology that you used to build those that interface and that and those diagrams and that
5: Well well, the first thing is that we track everything. Uh, we, we store a lot of uh, historical data about how people interact with your website, with emails. We have all of the link tracking and the open tracking stuff going on. Uh, so we're able to do a lot of data analysis based on that. Uh, there's no AI or machine learning stuff going on. Um, m- most of that is just basically using large data sets to make predictions anyway. Um, but I mean, we used just you know, we, we, we built a whole lot of it just from scratch. Mm. Uh, we borrowed a lot of inspiration from uh, Monster Insights, which is one of Syed's products mm, yeah. uh, in terms of UI and, and, and what makes a good reporting dashboard that's easy to digest and you're actually able to get information out of. So we borrowed a lot of inspiration from that. But the rest of it, we built a lot of, we did a lot of custom work in order to, to build the reports and actually get some usable data uh, one of the interesting things that we're doing uh, is with some of our e-commerce integrations with easy digital downloads and e-commerce is we are adding the ability to track purchases from specific emails that you've sent, and then sh- being able to show you a report of when those emails get sent and the total revenue and number of transactions per email from specific funnels or broadcasts. So you can directly relate revenue earned to specific emails that you've sent from Groundhog, which is something that you can't do in a lot of uh, email service providers using like Active campaign with your WooCommerce store. That's just something that you can't do because you can't relate those two unless you use special links. So that's some of the stuff that we're working on right now. And it's going to be really exciting to be able to provide those statistics so business owners can make more informed decisions.
1: Sounds great.
2: Um, Stephen,
1: got anything you want to recommend?
2: Yeah, I'm going to recommend something not WordPress related. Oh, no, Chokora. Uh, oh, Oh, hello. Just released a podcast. Uh, so it's John Mulaney and Nick Correll, uh, two comedians. If you like them, it's pretty awesome. They play characters uh, Gil Faizan and George St. Egan um, in their podcast. And it's pretty awesome. So if you're bored, don't want to scroll through Facebook, check it out.
1: That's great. Uh, we'll be back next week with a great panel with uh, hopefully some great stories. And we have a good chew out on a Friday. Uh, um, we we'll see you next week, folks. Keep well, keep away from the
0: virus. See you soon, folks. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.